Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. So how I met Tom... That's like a, that's a, that's the start to a story right there. Yeah. So I moved from one fire department to another. And then when you change jobs, they put you through like a physical test to make sure that you're not full of shit. And so the person who was evaluating my physical test was Tom. And I, when we walk in the gym, I see him on the rower. I'm like, oh, this dude's like getting after it. It's pretty cool. And, uh, so we start our test and I think I'm crushing it. Like there's a bunch of bums in there. And so I'm doing this one movement that I'd never done before. And I'm clearly not doing it correctly. And Tom comes up to me and he goes, if you're not going to fucking do it right, don't do it at all. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like I'm out here trying my best. God damn it. I want this job. And look how you are now. And so, uh, you know, I don't see him for months, not throughout the academy and then one day I see him at the station. He was a lieutenant at that station, and I was on probation. And the day before, I had, like, changed a bunch of shit. And uh, he comes in the next day, and he's like, who, uh, who changed the hose loads on the rig? And I was like, okay, here we go. And he had, like, the most open mind, like, totally, ex- like, accepted the change, was really open to, like, other ideas. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I think I can maybe get on board with this guy. And he has a name where we work. And did you know this was the same guy that yeah. pitched you out? I'll never, I'll never forget <laughs> that face. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he's a known entity at work as a hardo. So, like. That only comes from running academies. Yeah. Well, you run nice. enough academies. Yeah. You know, you have, you make, kind of make a name for yourself. So, that's how we met. And then they had me on the show. Uh, we used to be a part of another company. Uh, they had me on the show as a guest, and then I just fucking stuck around. And now we're on our own. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's it. Game on. Yeah. How about you guys? It goes back to Sarah and my wife. When we first moved to town 12 years ago, my wife joined Stroller Strides. Well, even before Stroller Strides, somehow caught up with Sarah with our business. And then Maybe. through stroller strides, yeah, yeah, okay, connections, and then Mara became pregnant and was taking stroller strides, became an instructor. That's right, yeah, and yada yada yada, yeah. And so then eventually Tom and I hung out a little bit, and uh, we were friends for a little while, and then they moved away, and then moved and moved and moved, moved and moved and moved, moved. yeah, way down to a dirt road. I mean, Ivy, he knows a lot about you, and I don't. Yeah. I know that you're a stud. I know that you're a chiropractor. Mm, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can confirm one of those two. How'd you get into that stuff? Chiropractic, I was, from a very young age, I went to a chiropractor. That was... How young are we talking? I, my parents couldn't tell me. Probably four or five-ish. Wow. And they... My mom had... I'm the last of three kids, and my mom had learned some things along the way in in terms of how she did health and so it just went as went, went as a child and I didn't know that was like different and Kairos became my docs. That's really all I knew. So you ever see normal docs when you got sick or you just went to Cairo? I don't remember I remember when I was in some school, some probably middle school or something and my mom filling out a form for our physical, and she put some doctor's name on it. And I was like, who is that? Like, I didn't even know who it was because I never saw them. So, I mean, I think I did an occasional physical stuff, but any issues I had, I just went to the Cairo. And I was fortunate to go through school. I went to a small private school, and it was like kindergarten through 12th grade. I One of my classmates... Um, her father was a very successful, very well-known, amazing doc in town, and you know he was one of the one of the docs that I knew. And there was another one that, uh, as I grew up, I got to know very well. And 
I mean, these guys were great. They were pillars in the community. They had great results. They had a great lifestyle. And it wasn't until I actually came out of chiro chiropractic college that I, I found out that you could suck as a chiropractor, too. Yeah. I, I just didn't know that was a possibility before because, the, you know, the, the, the people that I had hung around and the mentors that I had were amazing. What's that school like? That's pretty intense. Um, so you don't have to have a, a bachelor's degree, but you're limited in practice if you don't go into chiropractic school with a bachelor's degree. Um, so I had an undergrad in kinesiology, and that led right in, which is uh, human movement or exercise science, some people call it, and then went right into chiropractic school. But I had known since probably seventh grade that that's what I was going to do. Um, so chiropractic school is the one that I went to is split, was split up into trimesters. So 10 trimesters, three and a third years, full time. The average hours was about 31, 32 hours per trimester. Uh, I remember one year I went over 40 hours uh, in terms of school load. Yeah, yeah. And three to four years of straight school. You ever do any? I had a semester where I took 24 hours. I was dual enrolled at Arizona State for my bachelor's, and then I was taking a full load at the community college. So I was doing EMT, I was doing fire science stuff, 24. It's not good. 30, what, 40 one time? Over 40. Holy yeah. shit. And so there's a, you know, I, in Colorado, it's, it's definitely different. You know, historically chiropractic has been kind of known as like, you know, the redheaded stepchild of the, of the, of the doctor world. I had a client this week that's, that talked about going to their real doctor. So is it the same thing? Like, you know, going back to the hangover, you know, he's a dentist. <laughs> he's like, I'm a doctor, doctor of dentistry. Doctor. Do, you, do you fight? I mean, in reality, like, do you fight that? Like the dentists do, I guess. To some and I used to care and now yeah. it seems like there's been a shift though over the last three years where people have decided that maybe the mainstream medical way that a lot of people go is maybe not it's not the best for all things 100 percent got exposed yeah i to, mean i know I, you got a lot to say on this because you know are, you got we, this business are, are you're we, a small business are we owner go there yeah, well, we can go there i, I, mean, I, th I think it's in, like it, it's been this binary like you are either into the normal medicine mm -hmm. getting prescribed drugs that mm -hmm. you have no idea what they do you just are, are going with it because the doctor said or you're into fucking magnets healing you like there is no there doesn't seem to be like there was ever uh you could be both and i think over the last few years people are like oh i can take some vitamins take some supplements exercise i can be my own doctor to an extent in like research yeah but there's also the the other side where you know people are using essential oils instead of high blood pressure medication <laughs> you know like there is yeah. I think there's both, but I don't know. What do you think? That's a big question. You can go there. That's a big question. I, you know, I think that more people are – it's kind of this duality still, I think, where people are still buying in fully. You know, I think the whole COVID thing, a lot of people really plugged into the system and got wired into the system in a lot of different ways. And then – there's clear exposure of yeah. under the covers of the system. And so, you know, my office, as long as we were able to stay open, we've grown massively. Uh, and I saw a big influx of people of like, okay, now's the time. And so I think that was an opportunity for a lot of people. And if they paid attention to any information coming out now, like I saw something recently of, you know, they closed the gyms, but exercise was one of the best things yeah. to prevent it or prevent or, or treat or whatever severity California they close the beaches and they're like <laughs> vitamin D is right? so it's vitamin D it's movement and if you go in healthier you're coming out generally fine yeah but then there's the the people who are like hey I'm not I'm a now I'm against all vaccines so I'm not going to give my kids the measles <laughs> and you know vax like uh there is no ability uh, room for nuance, it seems. Some people, maybe. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I think the answer is always moderation. Yeah. You know, if you can, 
I don't know. There's so much information out there. You got to sift through. It's tough. It's super tough. And this episode is brought to you by us. More importantly, our Patreon. And most importantly, our Patreon members. If you like what you're hearing, think about joining us. Head on over to the-standard.us. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get extra episodes, discounts on gear, monthly conference calls. So head on over to our site at the-standard.us. And remember to always like and subscribe. Back to the show. Man, I wouldn't want to go through mainstream medical and not have an idea of what I'm doing because there's stuff that I hear weekly from clients who's like, my doc told me to do this, and my eyes just kind of get Like what? Big. Like what? Something that you'd be like, holy shit. I mean, even something like uh, probiotics, right? We know there's more germs on our skin, in our gut, than we have cells of our body. It's well known. It's well documented. There's tons of science. There's tons of research. And I've heard many times where docs downplay it. And mm. it's like, but they, they have no problem doling out antibiotics. You know, our practice, we have grown our name over time and we continue to evolve. But we've seen a lot of kids and saw a lot of kids that had ear infections and repeated ear infections. And the standard is you give them antibiotics. When the Academy of Pediatricians says the first thing to do is wait. But parents want something and who wants to see their kids suffer? And so docs feel the need to do something and so they prescribe antibiotic use, and that's related to a whole host of other things. And, but they downplay the benefits of, of probiotics. Yeah, we had Rob Wolf on the podcast. Familiar okay. with him at all? I'm not. He's awesome. Check into him. But he was talking about, and it wasn't on our show. He was on another show that um, when you're going through like, hey, I want to figure out what's good for my body. What am I sensitive to? Things like that. Some of the questions they ask you is, what exposure to antibiotics did you have as a kid? Mm -hmm. Because that exposure is, at a young age will kind of mess you up later on down the line for how you process the world. Mm -hmm. And as a, a new parent, I got little kids who've been constantly sick over the last month or so. Mm -hmm. You do. You want to go to the doctor. You want to fix them. You want to mm -hmm. get them better. Mm -hmm. And seeing your kid have a low-grade fever for a, you know days on end, it's really hard. It's terrible. But you want... You want that quick fix, right. so I, I see the, I see the struggle. Sometimes. It's a challenge, yeah, totally. the The history of the chiropractic stuff, I think, is fascinating, and I think that's where a lot of people. And I'm a firm believer in it. I've crawled into a chiropractor's office and walked out. Mm -hmm. Like I am a hundred percent on board. And when you find a good one, you hold on to it's it. Gold. But I've also had some not so good ones, right? And I've, well, you I've, both are talking about that. What makes a what makes a bad one? Like, well, it's got to be like, have you have you had a bad meal? Like, yeah. Have you gone to a restaurant and had a shitty meal? Ne yeah, never right. for my wife, but definitely. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and new, so new guys, new guys have made some bad meals at the firehouse. You know, oh, eat. we'll like take pictures of them and like send them around <laughs> the department to be like, dude, there you go. <laughs> this is so bad. You don't put guys on cooking probation. Inedible. <laughs> Fucking inedible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like how, if, if someone's like, Hey, I want to get into a Cairo, like what, what do you suggest they look for? Like how to spot a charlatan? A charlatan. I mean, we use a lot of magnets and essential oils in our op. No. No, it's just like, Oh fuck. <laughs> He's probably so it's mad. Like, Whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> like, let's get into it, man. <laughs> let it go. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've, I've been adjusted by a lot of people and there's a lot of people that I wouldn't want to get adjusted by. So, I mean, you know, we live in a, a, a digital age now, and I think one way that people, you know, people talk about their experiences. They don't, you know, word of mouth and going online and looking at experiences and, and how people do reviews for the average person is a good place to start because you can at least find some third-party verification. Right. Right. So I think, you know, finding a, a local person or a friend that, you know, has had a good experience is a great way. And the interesting thing, the beauty and the challenge with chiropractic is there's hundreds of techniques, right? And, and so there's, 
chiropractic is a philosophy of science and an art. The philosophy of the body is self-healing, self-regulating, right? It's a science that the nervous system controls everything. The brain-to-body communication through the nerves is what coordinates and controls all actions of the body. So if you stress that system, the body is stressed. Stress for too long wears down, right? If we remove the stress, the body works better. There's plenty of science to back that up. Uh, and then there's the art form, and that's like putting your hands on someone. And how do you do that? And an artist, all artists are different. And so that's where, you know, finding the, the, the hundred, sifting through the hundreds of techniques and then being able to, to jive with an individual because there is an interaction there, and it is important. Um, we just had a new doc showing our office this week, and he's been long-term in practice. And he was used to just throwing him right in the mix because he has more experience than I do. But he was used to doing it a certain way at his old office because that's what he was told to do. Like churn through people is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, just kind of like, and that was, I was seeing it, and, and then I, I went by a client, how do you do? It's quick. Uh, and I said, oh, okay. And so I went and just had a chat with him, um, and I was talking to my wife about this afterwards because she's a Cairo as well. And I think one of the things that I firmly, I'm biased, right? But I firmly believe my office gets better results than other offices. Why is that? And I think a major part of it is the intention, right? The intention that we as practitioners bring to the table, I expect people to get better. And, you know, the placebo effect is pretty damn good, right? Like, they don't, in pharmaceuticals, they never compare a drug to a placebo. What do you mean? They, don't so, they use placebos in... What, so when, you, when they come out with new, new pharmaceuticals, typically it's, they compare it to the old one. And did it do better than the old one? Versus a placebo, because a lot of the times the placebo wins. Yeah. Um, and, but and, it still works, right? Like, and it, well... What I'm, I'm saying yeah. is, I think when people are like, hey, well, the placebo, you know, had 50% efficacy. Yeah. You're like, well, isn't that... So let's harness that. Good? Yeah. Well, so my point is, harness that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's not nothing. It's the mental component, right? And when we change the, the mental component and the intention and the energy behind that, because if we break down anything, it's, it's energy, right? Whether it's the communication that we're having right now, there's vibration that's going through the air, hitting our eardrums, turning into electrical energy into our brain, we hear a voice. That's energy. You take in food, you chew it up, your body breaks it down, energy. This table is held together when you break it down to its smallest components, it's energy. So harnessing that mindset and that intention, I think becomes a huge player in why some people get better and some people don't. They come in with the same thing. We do the same thing. There's two different results. Why? Right? Why does your kid get sick and, and the kid next to him doesn't? Because mine's like licking the ground. <laughs> uh, I think but, some people hear that, though, and they're automatically turned off by like the woo-woo aura around that. You know, like, the, sure. it's hard to buy in if you don't experience yourself. Right. Well, I, have you ever been in a room and someone walks in and you're like, oh, shit. Like, when yeah, him. That, that first time. Right? <laughs> okay. Exactly. So let's take that experience that we talked about of, like, oh, this guy, who's this guy? Like, you, you, you walked into the room and there was an energy about him. Yeah. That you immediately tuned into somehow. Sure. And came up with some ideas. And then there was an energy of an experience with him. That's all I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, it's it, kinda, you it's can say... kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy a little bit too, though. Because if you believe that, that you're going into your office or you're going to get better, you know, like that placebo effect, like you believe in it, there's intention going in, you leave, there's a little bit... Kind of like when he saw me, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Like he, he had an idea of what I was going to be and... Probably, had we not met more, he would have, it would have just made it happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so, like perceptions, go, reality, kind yeah, of. Yeah, kind of. And then you go into your office, like you said, if you believe in 
chiropractic and its benefits and what it does for you that you're going to have a better outcome coming out. Yeah, absolutely. It's the mind, like you said. At the same time, I have people that come in and and they're like, I don't really believe in this. And I'm like, why are you here? I I ask it. I'm like, I've done this long enough and I've had enough experiences. I'm like, well, you showed up. I think they want to get proven wrong. They're like, or they're on their last, like, I got to try try anything because nothing else is working. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'll, I'll do an example where I'm like, okay, you don't have to believe in this. Like, I don't believe in gravity. And I drop a pin and it's still like, right. Sometimes the belief doesn't matter. Right. Right. But harnessing that. And so going back to your question about the, like the woo woo, I'm not like, you can get super woo woo. Right. I've had some of those and and I'm all automatically turned off and I'm all about like all the woo woo. But at the same time, it's the conversation that I, that I was having before about, it's just energy. Like our conversation is energy. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there is an energetic component in eating food and breaking it down and your body turns it and it's all energy. That's the part that I'm talking about. And then just get as woo as you want. So you and, like and to get in it. <laughs> you are like, I think the best experiences I've had and how I can kind of, when I walk into a, an office, when, whenever you like you move or whatever, you lose your Cairo, you, you find another one. When they take the time to sit down and jam with you prior to like, Hey, just get on the table and, We'll figure it out. I've always had better experiences mm-hmm. with those types of people. I feel like you can get a better vibe from them than the ones where I've walked in and they're like, hey, uh, you know, if you want to hop on the table, I'll, I'll kind of feel what's going on. And that one never really works out that well for me, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think getting a personal recommendation and then you got to jive with the place, the person, because there's so much variability. I think that's important. And I've had enough experience over time of going, I mean, straight up, I don't need you to tell me anything and I can work with you. But that doesn't necessarily work for you, right? right. And so it's like, I, it's going to work better for both of us to create some sort of connection. Yeah. And usually that's a conversation, finding out about you, health history, what's going on. It's important to know background and... Right. and you know, injuries, and I'm sure you've played hard and been in the academies and gone through that. So, yeah, I've, stories of going through stairs and all kinds of stuff I've heard from some of your cohorts. Yeah, we're like a back's worth, worst nightmare, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you just get you get in, into to situations that you can't control and stuff happens, right? Yeah. And so you've had injuries. And so knowing about those things and, and creating that, you know, for me, one of the, the things that our entire team we talk about is the rapport, right? You got to, you got to create a connection first in order to, to dive in. And What's I like think the, that goes back to that. It's buy-in. Thing. Yeah. It's, buy-in. it's like we talk about all the time. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're always creating buy-in with, with everybody you're adjusting. It's like, if you're even our job, any profession, if you buy into the person, you're going to trust them more and everything's going to go better. Right. Are there commonalities in when you see someone come through the door, you're like, I, these three things are usually like, Hey, you do CrossFit or you're a fireman. you probably have these three things going on. Or is it every, literally everybody is different and you know, you, I, you really need to dig deep into what's going on. Everybody's different. And you know, there's, yes, there's commonalities in groups and stuff like that, but then you have you have the variability of their life that creates the totally different outcomes. And I think that's what I was talking about before of I can have two people that come in with the same thing and I can do the same thing and the results can be different. Yeah. And so everyone is unique because they've had a whole life experience from how they've moved to their injuries to how they've treated their body to how they've recovered to their mindset, to their nutrition, to their sleep patterns, to their toxicity exposure. There's no two that, that are the same. But, yeah, I mean, we definitely see patterns. You know, yeah, all CrossFitters hurt themselves. <laughs> what, uh, <laughs> what other kind of, like, things that CrossFit's are out great. there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it keeps you busy. <laughs> exactly. And it's great. I mean, I, I think it, as a 
CrossFit in general, I think I, I did it for a long time. And then after a couple injuries, I was like, let me just do it differently. I think the general idea of CrossFit is amazing. I think half or more of the people there probably shouldn't be there. I think it started out as amazing, right? It, to get people to move more, I think was the, the whole basis of what the company was. And then as it starts to grow, you lose a little bit of your ability to, I mean, it's not like McDonald's, right? You go to any McDonald's, you're going to get the same meal. It's going to taste the same. And then when you get into CrossFit where you have so many affiliates, you're going to get people who I think lose the heart of, same thing with what you're doing, right? Like some people lose the heart of what it was all about and they want to get more people in the door. They want everyone to be able to do a muscle up because that's when, you know, right. and then that's when the injuries start to Absolutely. occur. So you say you do things different now. Like what about the way you train is different than? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm learning that I'm not 20 anymore. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, I've, I've had to run into the wall quite a few times. So like currently I have a, a, a shoulder issue going on because – uh, I just recently turned 41, but I wanted to do 40 pull-ups in a row while I was still 40. It's like, all That's right, big let's time. go. Yeah. I, well, yeah, it turns out it was big time. <laughs> so, you know, I started at like 25, and I think I got to like 27 straight in in a couple of weeks, but I'm just doing massive amounts of pull-ups. Well, I'd had a torn, partially torn rotator cuff years previously, and I'm just doing pull-ups like constantly. Cause great for your shoulder. Who who wants who wants to do like the boring stabilization and postural correction things? Not oh, me. Well, Not boring. me. Yeah. yeah, super boring. Yeah. And then my shoulders like, hey, fuck off. <laughs> and so I never made. I haven't made it to forty yet. So I'm backtracking just a little bit. And it's like stuff like that. What I've come to realize is that I have to do the simple, important things to do the fun things that I want to do. What I know, obviously, the stabilization, the rehab stuff's boring. It seems like there's a lot of, I don't want to say new stuff because it's not new. It's really, really old, but it seems like it's coming back and people are, are really taking it to heart. Breath work, guys like Wim Hof, the cold exposure stuff. Yeah, speaking of that, I, Sarah just showed me a video. Was it your birthday that you went and just laid down on the river? No, that was New Year's Day. Oh, New Year's Day. Also, that was like a, it's like start 2023 off, right? Yeah, and I was trying to win a, a sauna and a cold plunge. Oh. There was a contest. That's to, worth it. That was there was a oh, contest okay. to so go out. Like but point. I we'll get into that. I have I have we, we decided to go out into a stream because I have a fancy ass cold plunge at my house. Which one? It's called the the plunge. Oh dude, that one is awesome. And so I did it, it was really to there was a contest uh to win a two-person sauna and an ice barrel, which is just a giant barrel that yeah. you fill with water and ice and get in. And I figured that it would look better if I was in a little stream rather than my fancy-ass cold plunge. Right. Okay. It does add to How'd the ambiance. Did you get any traction on it? I mean, did they pick the winner already? Not yet. I think it's two more days. So you you got to get in, Do you got to do a cold plunge the, and submit a video? They just said to, to do a cold plunge on New Year's Day and tag them and, and this stuff. So that's why... I was like, oh, it'll look better if we track through the snow and go to the – it was cold. Yeah. Path. Oh, here's the thing about they're all cold. moving water is way worse right. than just sitting in a plunge. Well, the plunge is moving water. I'm saying – what I'm saying is like that that ability to kind of create that heat layer yeah. when you kind of stay still. Right. When you're in when you're a in, river. There's I mean, nothing. There is but nothing. But the plunge pumps water. And so it circulates. Something. Not not like a river. Yeah, there's something about that. But not the same as, like, I started off. In a barrel? A year and a half ago with all this with a, in a horse trough in my backyard. Yeah. And you build up that thermal layer. And so then you go into something like the plunge. And, and you're like, the same so temperature is very different. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I've, what's, that, what's that run? What's a plunge run? Uh, five grand. Something like that. That's where it starts. Yeah. Horse trough. hundred bucks? Yeah. But every, it seems like well, everybody starts. I started at, the, I started at a horse trough, right. right? And then I was doing that through the summer. And then it changed. So last January, I, there, was, there was a lot going on in my life. And um, I had a couple friends over. And this guy had just come off 30 days of the cold plunge. And I was like, well, shit, if he can do it, I can do it. 
And I historically am awesome at starting. <laughs> One of the best starters I know. I am a great starter. <laughs> I am not the best finisher. And so I said, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And so I did horse trough outside January, Denver, 30 days. And I did, I did 40. And it's addicting. A, a number of things in that process, dare I say, like transform my life. I, hey, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all ears. Let's, I want to hear it. I mean, as much as you want to, but I mean, like, <laughs> maybe I, I'm, I'm interested. Well, so there's, I learned about the cold after all this. Oh, really? Like, well, I learned. You started what, backwards. What actually happened. Right. I did it. And I knew it was beneficial. I knew, you know, athletes do it and it's recovery and, you know, there's a component of mental stuff to it. So I knew there was something to it. And I was, I was dabbling in it, you know, like I said, probably midsummer on. But when I committed to do it every day, it was a combination of the cold and what I'm now learning at 41 uh, is discipline. And that's huge. And that's what we were talking about, this 75 hard thing. And that's what it's all about. This guy created this program where for 75 days, there's, it's, it's simple, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. You, do, you drink a gallon of water a day. You do two 45-minute workouts a day. One of them is outside. You do some diet and follow it. No cheat meals. You read 10 pages and you take a picture every day, 75 days. And so I'm in day five of that. But it started last year when I committed to 30 days in the cold plunge, and I did it for 40. See, you aren't just good at starting. Well, I'm better now. Yeah, I was going to say, now. that's a fucking brutal. And, and, but that was prior to that. I, I didn't understand and have the felt experience of how discipline can dramatically impact someone's life and it's it's the little things that you do on an ongoing basis that produces the massive results well and it's the stuff that no one sees it's the not pretty stuff it's doing the stabilization exercises so that you can post your video that you did 40 pull-ups in a row and get all the you know the thumbs up and the dopamine fix that the accolades bring so let's go back to the cold plunge yep what were some things about when you learned about kind of the you felt it first and then you learned about what was actually happening mm-hmm. what was what few takeaways where you're like oh man the reason that i want to keep doing this is because of this obviously the discipline was part of it so a little bit of a backstory so for me and this is this is crazy for me because i've never some people know this and i've never shared this in a um a public forum as what well, is it? You have 10 listeners? 10, 11, maybe. Yeah. I think. Well, if you start listening. <laughs> yeah, 12. Yeah, hey, 11. I need your phone so you can subscribe. <laughs> I'll subscribe right after this because I want to see how it <laughs> for, for my life, uh, I, I'd struggled with alcohol. And that was a, a major struggle for a lot of years. And I identified it coming out of college. And for like 20 years, I kind of did all the things so when you say struggle are you drinking every day or are you alcoholic okay yeah right. like drinking when you're not supposed to drink like drinking to blackout type style at times there was, that was there was yeah. it just you know it like you my life was negatively impacted in every way yeah right it, health family wife kid business like it was I had every reason to have lost all of that, those things. And I still have it, right? And I think that's a common, I think it's too common, right? Because, and especially these last couple of years, like, it's, it's interesting because I also see more and more conversation of like, but do we really need alcohol? And there's a whole, I'm sure you guys have listened to Huberman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, awesome. I love his information because it's, it's science, but it's application, right? And so he did one on alcohol of like, yeah, there's really no good reason. And it's, you know, there's, I, I have no problem with people doing that, but for me, clearly it was a huge detriment. And so I'd done all the things. I, you know, AA, I'd had sponsors, I'd, uh, everything, right? And I just, I would be sober for most of the time 
except for when I wasn't, right? That once or twice. And then I would go, you know, and then I would drink and then it would like this mental thing, like in some places they, they talk about, it's like an allergy, right? And, and some people can hang with that and some people can't, but there's this like mental obsession that kicks in and it's like, clearly there's something going on. And I, for me, I know that it was, I had genetics, which I, the, I don't, I don't love the conversation around genetics because we like, we think we're stuck in that where we know genetics is, is approximately 20% of your health. But it's the epigenetics, if you've heard the term. Epigenetics is the environment we surround ourselves literally turns on and off genetic expression. Can you, can you say that again? Okay, so genetics, right? Our blueprint. Yeah. Right? Dad had it, so I'm going to have it. Mom had it, so I'm going to have it. Like that's, I think the So genetics general, isn't destiny. Correct. Okay. I, that's, that's what I want people to know because I think a lot of people do have that idea. Like, well, they did it, so I'm kind of stuck with it. Yeah, but I remember specifically, my mom told me something uh, as I was growing up, which is we have alcoholics in our lineage all the way back. Yep. And so, like, you, I think the way that she said it to me was like, you have this in you. Mm-hmm. So I want you to know mm-hmm. that you are, you know, it, it's going to be easier for you to go down that road. Absolutely. But I see what what you're saying is, just because that's in you does not mean that it is you. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things I hope that, that my kid gets out of all, all of this is that, that exact conversation, right? Like, hey, kid, you put yourself in this environment and it can, it can not be pretty. Mm-hmm. And so I had a genetic component to it. But what epigenetics says is it's the environment is actually 80% of your health what you choose to do. So, you know, I went to a a Christian school from kindergarten through 12th grade where the world doesn't really exist outside the four walls. And then I got out of high school and I was like, whoa. (laughs) There's like this whole other, you can just do stuff? They didn't tell me about that. It's go time. (laughs) Well, let me just see. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me just see. girls around here? There's girls, there's alcohol, right? weed you know um and so that's when i started dabbling with alcohol and um i liked it well it's pretty great it's pretty great it's pretty great and if a little's good then more is better right and that's that's kind of my personality right like i i joke it's bigger better stronger faster and i'd prefer it all right now (laughs) (laughs) and so that you know alcohol was the and so from that teenage years and what we know now and what I didn't know then, which I would, would, I, I will tell my kid is the, the blood brain barrier doesn't fully close until like your early twenties. So high exposure early on really affects your brain. And so I put myself in that environment. I, I went to college and yeah, yeah. Good. Everybody's Shit. done that. I mean, everybody, a lot. You know, yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah. And and so then that was the environment, right? And and I had the blueprint that it could not turn out well. And it didn't have to, but it did for me. Right. And I so for me, that's what I've I've identified of like, okay, had I not drank like that until my mid twenties, would it be different? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But that's that was my path. And so that's where it started. But I knew before I was out of undergrad, that I did it differently than other people. Hmm. That I, I drank differently than other people. And it was, was when I was in chiropractic school is when I started the process of this doesn't fit into everything else I know about life and health. It was a, it was a dissonance. Um, and that struggle went on until I would say probably about a year ago. And, and there was some, <laughs> there were some other experiences. Uh, I don't know if we have time to go into this, but I, I, I tried Whatever everything. I had, this is digital. I, it's your show. Tape. I, I had, <laughs> it's, it's my show today. Yeah, it's your show. <laughs> um, Studio. I, mean, it's I, I didn't you. know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. To, to what? To, 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 to feel to, happy? To, 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 f- to, to fix myself. Okay. All right. To fix myself. And so I started looking into the world of psychedelics, right? And, so I'm super thankful, like, I smoked some weed, I drank alcohol, I haven't tried any of the other stuff. I did mushrooms once, like, when I was 
like in once or twice in when I was younger, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't like that. Oh, really? Yeah. What about it? What about that experience? I was young. I just didn't. I didn't like that feel. I mean, I loved to like smoke weed. That was great. I love that. Um, but I just, I don't know. I can't say. And so I'm very thankful that like I didn't try all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Never even tried it. I don't like. I don't think it would have probably turned out well for me. But I was kind of made. I don't know how I first learned about this whole world and research around the psychedelic movement that was going early on and then there's a book by Michael Pollan Michael Pollan wrote uh, The Omnivore's Dilemma Um, he also wrote a book more recently on how to change uh, something like how to change your brain he did the uh, coffee fast didn't he isn't that part of that he did a uh, a Netflix documentary on psychedelics as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. it's it's based He's awesome. It's based upon this the book that he wrote. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I wrote I read the book first, and it talks about all the different psychedelics and its therapeutic value. And what happened is it it kind of got into mainstream, whatever in the '60s or '70s, and and the war was going on, and then it really like kind of got out and it created this anti-establishment thing and that's when I believe it was Nixon like kiboshed the whole thing there was like massive research and institutions going on at the time Harvard and Timothy Leary and yeah all all that stuff and then it all got wiped out the tinfoil hat in me knows that or thinks that it was all the pharmaceutical companies were like hey this is too good we got to shut this shit down, Nixon. Well, I think that might have been part of it, but the other part that Pollen, at least, and this, I don't really care about this, but this is just my understanding from how he wrote the history of it, is they needed people on board with the war, and it was creating this anti Oh, because everyone was like, movement. why are we fighting each other? Correct. <laughs> For no reason. Right. And it's like, that ain't going to work. We need y'all around here. Yeah. It's, we need to like be behind this war thing. Oh, all right. And that's what. That's when like it that. got. That's when it got. And that's just the facts that he, yeah. that Pollen wrote about, and so it all went away, or I should say, it went underground. All the research did, and now it's coming back, and there's research going on, in you know, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember all the places, but places like you know Harvard, Yale, uh, Stanford, Stanford, yeah, for sure. they're doing, and they're really close to passing. Um, FDA approval, I, uh, there, there's a track for uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and there's a track for, I'm, I'm like, maybe MDMA, uh, yep. in treating PTSD. Mm-hmm. And the research is absolutely incredible. Like, for PTSD, we have the best that we have to offer pharmaceutically, like, it's something, and, and, and Pollen outlines this in his book, it's something like 20 to 30% like treatment, right? Like kind of better. And like, you know, vets and stuff are like killing themselves like crazy. I mean, I'm sure I, I don't know about in, in your guys' profession, but yeah, we see you, you see guys are sure. exposed to massive traumatic events every day. Yeah. And it hits people differently. Just like for me, alcohol hit me differently than it hit you. Yeah, you could be standing next to the guy on the same call see the same stuff and you are toast and they are completely fine. Right. Which makes you feel like even worse, like that much weaker. And it has absolutely nothing to do with that. And that goes back to your question of like, when someone comes in, is every, do we have groups or is everyone different? Everyone's different. Right. Like it's all the, it's the, the accumulation of all those events. And so what, you know, what the research is coming out is it's, it, it rewires the brain. Yeah, you're. Uh, I'm a dummy, but this is my understanding of it. He's a dumb dumb. I'm a dumb dumb. Is that when you go through a traumatic experience, your brain needs to still continue to function. So the normal pathway that it would take, it creates these branches. So you no longer, um, it allows you to function. And so now your brain has a bunch of these pathways that are it was not intended for. And so adaptation. Yeah, exactly. And our, so our body always does the best that it can with what it's given. Yeah. So these drugs, along with talk therapy, 
right? I think that's the part that people are missing is that, hey, I can go do all these drugs and I'm going to be fixed. Yeah. And it's like you need to have both. But these drugs are getting you back to the way that your brain was supposed to work. It takes away those side streets. So that's my understanding. Well, and it's, it's yeah, instead of those side streets around the trauma, it's, it's through the trauma. Yeah. And, and so it's rewiring perception is reality, right? It's rewiring the perception of that trauma, I, I think. I don't and know. so you said you, you got into it. So did you have an experience that kind of... Did so I, I, I did a lot of research and I, it came about that I, I did an ayahuasca retreat. And that is not for everybody. Down in Costa Rica? Um, it was actually in Arizona. Okay. Yeah, with a shaman that was traveling the world. He's out of Peru. And my intention was to figure this alcohol thing out. That was my intention going in. And, yeah, that is, that, that's not a recreation thing. Well, it, like, tears your life apart. <laughs> I've never yeah. done it, but I, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely, uh, it was an experience. And, you know, by day three, there was about 30 people or so, and you you do it in the evening and you sit for, and then you go through the process. And what is the process? Well, so the shaman had, he had two co-facilitators and and then there was a bunch of other people that had had a lot of experience that was, was helping. And so I think the important thing, and for me, I appreciate the experience. I'm not like, I'm not ready to go back. Mm, yeah. for, for more there was people there that were doing like one after the next after the next after the next and i was like it's okay. like a drink right uh so it's made it's a combin it's made into a like a thick syrupy it's not like a good drink <laughs> yeah like the color of elderberry syrup and it's super sticky and it's yeah it's it does you don't you don't drink it for flavor Okay, I'm picturing like syrup for waffles, but we're not. Yeah. Of course, I go to waffles, but we're not there. It's that, it's worse yeah. than that. Uh, yeah, it's okay. definitely not syrup. Um, and so then you go through the the process in the evenings of you know you can take up to three doses, and they do different ceremonial things and um, to guide you through the process. And by day three, I hadn't seen the shaman leave the room. Sometimes in the process, you like. You got to go to the bathroom, yeah. Because you, they call it the purge. So you're like people are like heaving, puking. There's buckets. There's people. You got to go to the, to the bathroom, and so there's people escorting out constantly. Well, by day three, I was like, purged. I was at the wits' end, and like, they came around in in one of the ceremonial processes, and I was like, I couldn't function. He was like whisper. I I think he was whispering. I don't know. I was in a different different place. <laughs> uh, like, hey, take this guy out of here. Oh no, kidding. So like they escorted escorted me out, and the shaman like came to the bathroom like three times, and like essentially was like waterboarding me, like putting me into the faucet and stuff like that to like bring me back. And it was it it did, but it was it was intense. It was traumatic. Uh traumatic. It was it was super intense. And the key is what you were talking about, I think, is you're not, you're not going to do this stuff for, like, for recreation. Right. Like, what's your intention? And that's what, what Michael Pollan talks about is the set and setting. And then what do you, like, how do you process that? And so I came back out of that experience. Like, I, I go to bed at, like, you know, I'm, like, 9, 10, awesome, can't wait. Like, you're up until, like, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., so I came back, like, totally wasted, like, because you're up all night and doing all this stuff in your body. Like, so I was just totally out of it, and I went right into having COVID. Oh, fuck. For the, for, I hadn't had it So you stayed that. miserable for a long time. So I, I, I came back, like, on a Monday, and by, like, Saturday, I tested positive for COVID. So that was not a good integration, but apparently the path I needed yeah and so shortly after that like I just tanked again with alcohol and are you like I went through all that and, and then, now and, fucking, and, I thought and, you and were then, gonna fix me and then I drank 
and I, it was, it was just, it was nasty. And thankfully my, like my sister was around at the time and she was like the next day she was like, like, dude, I like, I was like checking on you constantly. I thought like you had alcohol poisoning and you were going to die. And that was the last time I drank. Damn. It's the longest you've gone without drinking prior to this. Not by being, I, 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 I don't within a like a couple of days maybe. No, no, no. I, I, I'd go months. I'd go many months. I probably hadn't. I don't think I'd ever done a year in in twenty plus years of trying to fix it. Yeah. And so I came off of that, and like <laughs> I convinced my family to let me go to after doing that shit. I convinced my family to to let me go on our trip that we were we had already had planned to Mexico. And I came back from the Mexico trip. It was like about this time last year. And I had a couple of friends come over and they're like, all right, we're getting in the cold. Like we're either gonna <laughs> but I had a good friend. He's like, I'm either gonna kick you in the balls or you're jumping in the cold water. I'm like, okay, well I'll take the water. I'll take the water. Yeah. <laughs> I've done this before. And that was where uh, he had brought another guy who I hadn't met before. And he had had some struggles with alcohol and was sharing his story and stuff. And and he was the one that, that had just done 30 days. And that's where I was like, well, shit, I can do that. Yeah. Clearly this ayahuasca. And, I, and it, wasn't, it wasn't even about like, there was no intention of like fixing the whole alcohol thing. I just was like, well, I did all this research and all like I'm a like, I'm a nerd. I have all these degrees and all this shit. And like this part didn't fit. What part? In my life, the alcohol part didn't oh, fit yeah, in my yeah. everything I knew. Right, there was no logic, there was no reasoning, there was no anything, and I just did the last thing I knew to maybe even help anything. And I'm I'm on the couch and like almost dead, mm. right? So I'm like, fucking, I just I, I'll do 30 days, and so I had a horse trough outside and. You know, I had to break the ice. One day I didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to like be able to break the ice. It was so thick, you know, ice down the sides, ice on the bottom. That's cold. That's cold. And then going outside to do it in Denver, January can be chilly. And from like 40 into the thirties is like a completely different experience Totally. where you're like, Oh, I got this. I can cold plunge 50 and then you go to 40 and then you go to 32 and then that's you go to then you go to thirty two in a river. That's gangster. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean there was massive amounts of ice like all around me, ice down the sides, ice on the. So we're sitting at like thirty two degree water. So I did it every day, and I, I haven't drank since then. And so what I learned after the fact is like I didn't talk about it for a long time, and I haven't talked about it with many people because I don't want to jinx it, right? But what I've learned since then is I, th I think that rewired my brain. It rewired my neurochemistry. And so that's, you know, Huberman and, and, and other people like that. I learned that when we, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's social media, it's the, it, our brain chemistry, the dopamine spikes. Take cocaine, you spike dopamine. And then your dopamine crashes. That's the craving, is just to get back to baseline. So we, we have these nasty spots. Well, not nasty. It's our neurochemistry, the rewards, right? So we have these spikes from, like I said, whatever it is. And then we crash, and our body just tries to get back. And that's, that's the constant ongoing. That's the constant craving. And what the cold does is it releases dopamine, big dopamine, but over time, it does these releases. For hours, you'll see an increase in dopamine and noradrenaline and, and adrenaline, positive stress things. And my hypothesis is that, kind of like you were talking about of going through the trauma, like we have these wires, like my wire was alcohol, whatever. Dopamine hit, alcohol, dopamine hit, alcohol. And then it would drop down and I'd crave more. And then I, I think the cold rewired that deficit that was there for most of my life. Have you talked to anybody else that has had similar changes? Like an I've, alcoholic I've, that is 
tried the cold plunge? I mean, you you met the guy who did the same thing, right? Yeah, I haven't. I've heard I've heard and kind of seen things. I haven't explored it too much. I because I mean, honestly, like I said, I I haven't I haven't. This is the first time I've shared this definitely in a public forum. I've had some conversations like because I because like I said, it's like. I, everything for like I, I've done I've, I've gone to like shit ton of therapists and I've, I've gone to AA and I've done okay so hundreds of meetings I've done do you think that if you didn't do all that pre-work which is what I think when I, when I hear you saying hey I did the meetings I did all this you did the pre-work but now you have this repeatable experience and, and from my own experience it doesn't go away, right? Like every time you get out of the plunge, I feel the same as opposed to when you do a drug or something like that, it, you, you're chasing that dragon or whatever, like is, I think is how they describe it. But if you hadn't done that pre-work and you just got in the cold plunge, do you think you would have a similar experience? It's a good question. From what I know neurochemically, I think I, I think there's a possibility. Mm. I, I think because of what it does with your neurochemistry, I, I think it could. I think that speaks to the efficacy of it. I agree with you. I think that's like, I think that that is something that's pretty special, and it's the the barrier to entry is pretty low. I mean, obviously the plunges are expensive, but yeah, you know, but, but that's not how I started. I had a board, I had spent 120 bucks on a metal horse trough. Or you could start in the shower. You can start in the shower. You no, know, that's a different, I can't, I can't even do that. It's a different I, experience. I honestly wholeheartedly. think that the, the shower is challenging. And, um, my understanding is the research because of the variability of water temperatures in the shower. And because of the variability of like, how much it's hitting you. Um, there's just not research behind I, it's don't get me wrong. I don't, I, I'd prefer to jump in a cold plunge. Oh, the shower is way, I think the shower is way worse. Personally. So I, I just don't, I, I don't know that they can say it will do the same things because it, there's just not the right. data behind it. But again, for me, like, it, you know, all along it's like, well, why don't just don't drink? Right? Just don't. No shit. Just don't drink. Right? (laughs) Well, it's the so that's that was going back to the whole discipline thing, and that's that's for me. I'm working on the practice. That's another reason why I, I, besides you know my wife's like, yeah, let's do the 75 hard, or she was like, I'm doing it. I was like, well, of course I will. And the two the two main reasons that I chose to, to commit to it was one to connect with her and two, that practice of jumping in cold water for 40 days straight besides the neurochemistry, it was the practice. I never wanted to get into the water. Ever. I, I mean, there was times like I would, I was skiing. So I like did it at 4 AM or I came home from skiing and I did it at 10 o'clock at night. Right. And boy, I didn't want to do that. But have you ever regretted it? No. Yeah. You get yeah. out and you're like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Every, Every time. time. Every time. I mean, even now. So part of what we committed to in the 75 hard is, well, let's jump in the water every day too. Mm. And so that wasn't, that's not a part of the program, but we just, we, we said we would do that. I mean, and again, we have, we've upgraded. And, and so that's why, yeah, five, who needs to spend 5,000 plus dollars on a, fucking tub that keeps water cold well for me it was like a no-brainer well i think that the reason you do that is that the barrier to entry is is now even lower right so yeah you have a trough outside you got to keep it clean if you want if it's summertime you got to buy ice yeah you need to wait to get it to the temperature you want i mean there's just a lot to it that makes it uh, a bit more difficult as opposed to i can pull the cover back change the filter every now and again and I'm in and out in five minutes. Yeah, but I mean, five thousand dollars for you for what it did oh, for man. what you believe it. I mean, you. you I, I would have fifty thousand dollars. I've I've spent a lot more. Yeah, on the bad stuff. Right? On yeah. the bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, right? it, lots. And I've spent. 
I've spent a lot more on good stuff trying to change things. Right. And so that was ultimately why when I was like, so I came out of the, it came out of the summer or that experience a year ago and it was starting to get warm again. And so I wasn't doing it as much, right, with my horse trough. And so I noticed like my squirrely brain would calm down a little bit after I jumped in and got back out. And the squirrels take me to bad places. <laughs> <laughs> got drowned them. <laughs> yeah. So, Honestly. I mean, yeah, literally. And so that was, I was like, hey, can I, like, you know, because with my wife, I, I, we've committed to, like, major expenditures. Like, let's run it by each other. And, like, hey, uh, I was, I was going to get a sauna. Because there's a whole other, this is another long conversation yeah. for me. The cold is is what has dramatically changed my life. But I was saving up to, to get a sauna, and I was like, I need I got to get the cold first. Yeah, we're going into summertime. I don't want to get ice all the time. I don't want to. I need this to be a part of my life. And so we so we got it. Yeah, I, and now I got a sauna too, which oh, is a whole, a whole nother conversation around the same concepts of health. I mean, the sauna is incredible as well. There's a, a few more things I want to talk about, and I think we should go over the Patreon and do that. I want to talk about the sauna and heat. Yeah. I want to talk about the practice, Cairo, my back, stem cells. You want anything about stem cells? So, by the way, two months ago, we have switched over, and we actually, we're actually a medical office now. So what does that mean? So we have a medical provider on. They can do stem cells? Yeah. And that's oh, what, shit. That's so what we're talking we we're gonna go. talk about. This. So that's what we're doing in our office now. And then we're uh, literally in the middle of our transition. Well, we're not in the middle. We're like gangbusters all in. All right. And then you want to talk about uh, the beginnings still. You never got to that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, the story of the beginning of yeah. the chiropractic. I was wondering. I was wondering how much you know. Fascinating. Because yeah. you're talking magnets right away, right? You <laughs> yeah. Know, I mean. Know, DD Palmer. Pro- yeah, absolutely. Magnet healer. It's just, uh, it's it's crazy. Well, you know what's funny is a lot of chiros don't even know this stuff. You have, I mean, if you want to yeah, be don't. into the job, you got to know where it started. And and to me, I, what I find so fascinating about it is that I know how it started, uh-huh. and I see where it is now. Mm-hmm. And it could have gone Different. another way where there is no. So, so you know, like DD and BJ yeah, and man. all this stuff. Yeah. The Wonders oh, of Chiropractic, man. WOC. Uh, out of uh, Iowa, Davenport. That's where I went to school. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, li- I grew up an hour and a half from there, so it was a no-brainer. Yeah, WOC, Wonders of... Uh, so, yeah, we have. there's a lot to talk about. Right. So, I did. I mean, it was interesting because, you know, I didn't mean to de- dive that deep into all that stuff. But for me, the backstory is, in, is, is how I got into the whole cold exposure and, you know, I think has a lot of potential to impact a lot of people I'm still like I'm still trying to like kind of sort through like am I really here now like am I in a different place that I've been trying to get to for a really long time I don't know if you're ever there man yeah I think that's the the journey of life is is you keep trying to yeah but he's tried I mean you talk 20 years Mm -hmm. you know and now you feel like you're there you're like is this actually happening because I've Mm -hmm. I've been Totally. You've been dreaming of this day, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I I, I think... See, the, I could see that. Like, you feel like you arrived to for for this part. Yeah, I... Like, I got to... There's more. I, I, there's more, obviously. Yeah. But you're like, man, this is a huge, I'm, huge I'm, check. I'm, I'm out of the... I'm, I'm, I'm out of the big crashing wave ocean thing. Yeah. yeah. And like, oh, I'm on the boat. Like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Now we can do a lot more. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's good. Well, like I, I, I think there's uh, that journey to in- achieve enlightenment is the is the never ending goal until you're dead, you know. But it seems like you've made so so many strides towards that. It's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I do want to say that the only reason we're in this room. Do you know what Patreon is? Tell me, because it's ringing a bell, but I don't. It's basically like a crowdsourcing. So uh, we have these members of this community. And they have helped us get this studio and all this gear you see. And, like, it's we would not have any. We wouldn't have a show without them. And uh, they basically vote with their dollars that, hey, this is something that we like. We want to see more of. And, um, yeah, the only reason we got this studio now is is because of them. 
So for as little as three bucks a month, they can come in and they get extra content. They can, they can support us, which has been that's super like the coolest thing. Like when you're, cause it, this cause, is fancy, man. Well, it's just Tom and I bullshitting. Yeah. You know? And yeah. you're like, who is this matter to anybody? Like, is this, do people give a shit? And mm-hmm. our patrons have been awesome. Absolutely incredible. That's so amazing. It's been, it's been pretty sweet. So we definitely want to give them a little, a little love. So yeah, man, you're the first. This is it. Thanks for coming down. Oh, hey. Broke it in. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dive into some more stuff over on the Patreon. So yeah. So thanks. Sounds good.